Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Here we go. Let's get a quick spin. Let's get a spin. Let's get a spin. Let's go. Let's go. All right, you got to get it Oh, in. Minnesota Vikings. This is easy. Mike Zimmer wants a guy that's polished. How about Jalen Phillips from Miami? This is a polished technician with outstanding athleticism. You put him opposite to Neil Hunter. Look out. <laughs> love it. Reckless speculation. Lo- love me some uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Reckless drafts spin the wheel speculation there. That's how you do NFL it. Network. That's how you, you do the, it. Week out, you spin, spin that damn wheel and let it come up where it does. Hey, executive producer Declan, what, what needs to happen for us to get a, a wheel to spin? Um, well, I can tell you right now, I'm not creative enough to make one. Uh, even despite my <laughs> executive title. Uh, I will I will delegate that to the associate producers, right. I think, on the weekend. We're much more. We'll 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 assign it to to Jason or AJ or something and see what happens. This is a reckless speculation Thursday on Mackie and Judd. We appreciate everyone who has either given us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple, or who has subscribed to one of our two YouTube channels, Score North and Purple Daily. But uh, reckless speculation Thursday means Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. And the Scoop podcast, which you can find on scornorth.com, Apple, Spotify. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. Hello, Darren. Good morning, Phil. Here's how you get one of those wheels. It's called a bigger budget. You <laughs> make a phone call to Dan Seaman, the big boss, and say, hey, Dan. I think he's walking in right listen, now. Listen, <laughs> there's been way too many budget cuts the last 13, 14 months. It's time to give back. We need one of those damn wheels. What we need is a wheel. Cut the check. Listen, we we don't need any more full time people. Yeah. We're just no. we're fine, just the three of us. We just the need a wheel. The problem is that the line w- would be cut Judd, and then we get the wheel. <laughs> Judd or wheel? Judd or wheel? Hey, it's Mackie and Declan here, and we got a wheel. It's Mackie and the wheel with executive producer <laughs> hey, Declan. So wheel, that's a very tough call. What were you thinking? Uh, so Doogie, we are we are a week away from the NFL draft, and we're gonna be we're gonna be live. On the Purple Daily YouTube channel, so you can find us there. Just uh, probably getting buzzed and spewing takes all throughout the night. But what is your? We we did a mock draft simulation a couple days ago here, and yes, we do mock draft simulations on this show. Uh, Trey Lance at one point fell to us. I woke up this morning. I was texting Declan Judd. I woke up this morning and fired up the Draft Network and just did my own. Like just I was just kind of all right. I'm looking for something to do here. Uh, I clearly have nothing else to do, so I'm just going to do a mock draft simulation. Justin Fields fell to us at 14. Wait, hold in that on a simulation. second. So you cheated on us? 
Yeah, he no, was, he, he wasn't no, cheating on us. He did his own draft simulation. The, I thought we were all in this, this together. Is a, this is a monogamous you, relationship here. You've got the you've got you've got the pro account. You're yeah. fine. You're fine. But Doogie, let's just say for fun, let's just start here. If one of these quarterbacks like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones falls to fourteen, what do you think the Vikings do in that spot? Well, I can tell you this much. Based on correspondence, Clint Kubiak, Vikings new play caller, offensive coordinator, the one doing a majority of the quarterback work, that based on his correspondence with those in Fargo with the North Dakota State Bison football program, that Clint Kubiak and the Vikings, this is a collective opinion over from Egan, that they don't believe there is any scenario where Trey Lance gets to 14. That they like him. Don't get me wrong. They've done incredible homework on the Marshall, Minnesota native. I think if he somehow fell to 14, unless one of the tackles, one of the two main tackles, the Northwestern kid or the Oregon kid somehow falls, you know, maybe then there would be an interesting decision to be made. But I think if Trey Lance is staring them in the face at 14, I think they would pull the trigger. I do. I don't know about fields. You know, now we have the latest in the last 24 hours. You know, some of his some of his battles with with seizures, although it doesn't seem like there's any long term concerns with that. I don't have a good sense right now. One week out. Plus, there's so many smoke screens anyway, so it's hard to know what information to trust, not trust. But I do feel confident that they have a healthy opinion of Trey Lance. So if you were to give us your best guess right now, Dukes, on draft night, first round, 14th pick comes up. Do you think that they make the selection, or do do you think that there's a higher probability on if things are falling right that they actually trade back and try and take a defensive player, let's say in the 20s, and somehow if they can, I think ideally in their world, recoup that the second-round pick that went to uh, Jacksonville in the Ngakwe trade? Yeah, because like you talk to enough evaluators, it's not like there's this one pass rusher that just jumps out at pick 14, whether it's the two Miami guys, Quiddy Pay from Michigan, there are question marks and red flags with all those guys. You know, it kind of depends on what body type maybe you want, what sort of athletic type you want. But there's not one obvious guy there at 14. So, sure, if there's an opportunity, my question back to you, though, is who is jumping up? Now, I do think Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, the Alabama wide receiver, is going to be there at 14. So maybe that is the guy. That's somebody, Baltimore, Tennessee, somebody with an obvious wide receiver need, Green Bay. Maybe somebody wants to jump up to 14, but then how far are you going backwards? I also would not necessarily rule out this scenario. Maybe it's only a 10 or 15% chance. But if one of those tackles gets to 7, 8, 9, Denver, George Payton, 7, Spielman's brother, Chris, very much involved in the Detroit Lions Ooh, draft in process. The division. I'm just saying, oh. if one of those tackles, Panay Sewell or Rashawn <laughs> Slater, gets past you know yeah. Cincinnati at five, I don't think Miami at six is going tackle. So then all of a sudden, if both tackles are sitting there, seven, eight into nine, into ten, mm-hmm. like I'm positive, Judd. You know, like I saw Jerry Jones go on the record with this, or maybe it was Stephen Jones, somebody from the Cowboys. They're starting to pick up the phone, have trade dialogue. It's clear the Vikings have talked to the teams in front of them, right? Maybe they don't have a great idea on what it would take to move up three, four, five spots, but I'm just saying it is such a glaring need. And you look at the Vikings' schedule this year. It always includes Khalil Mack in Chicago, but they have Cleveland. They have all these really good pass rushers 
on their schedule this year, Dallas, right, with Lawrence. You look at the schedule, they have this glaring need of, of needing a left tackle. Like, I think if there's a chance to move up, I wouldn't dismiss that possibility. I really wouldn't. Now, then it comes down to what's the compensation? Are you giving up your 2022 first to move up? And I would just say this. If you feel like Slater or Sewell has a chance to be a 10-year Pro Bowl type, you know, maybe not even a Hall of Fame type. If you think he's a Hall of Famer, then, yeah, it's a no-brainer. But if you just feel like, you know, that guy has a chance to be a top-tier, upper-echelon left tackle, you give up your 2022 first to go get that guy. Solve that position for the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I I think it's more likely that they trade back in the first round than trade up, but I think it's very likely that they use the stash of third and fourth round picks that they have to trade into the second round. So, I mean, that's just my amateur take on this. Well, but, I don't but think it's question- an amateur take, Phil. I think, yeah, logically speaking, there is a better chance they move back than move up. But I do think, I mean, they kick around all sorts of different scenarios, right? I mean, they are meeting for 12, 13, 14 hours a day. Undoubtedly, they've kicked around the idea of what will it take if one of those tackles falls? If one of those tackles, you know, that, that we love, if Cincinnati doesn't go tackle at five, I don't think they will. I think they'll go Jamar Chase of LSU. But you could make a case that Cincinnati should go tackle at pick five. But if they don't, I'm just telling you, that is one scenario the Vikings have talked about. Hey, let's move up. Let's go get that left tackle. Okay, here's another thing that I, some of this is more of just like philosophically, what are they looking to do offensively? But there's been a couple scenarios in the simulations that we have done where Kyle Pitts has fallen into the teens. I don't think that's going to happen. Zero percent chance. Oh, God. Zero. I, I, I can just tell you I'm based on, on a few text messages I could show you right now, <laughs> there are so many Kyle Pitts fans. Like of the non-quarterbacks, like he is the guy. He is the man. I will be shocked. There's not a whole lot I would bet on. It's tougher this year compared to previous years with no top 30 visits, no private workouts. So it's more complicated than ever from my standpoint. But, Phil, I'm just telling you, like I feel uber confident that there is a 0% chance that Kyle Pitts gets to pick 14. I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that. (laughs) By the way, these – these scoops from Doogie today presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. So, you know, listen, they, they can't help protect against uh, your favorite offensive tackle getting drafted five spots before you draft. But they can protect you as a business owner if you're, uh, if you're based in Minnesota especially. They've been around for over 100 years in Owatonna, Minnesota. They have some of the best people in the business to help your business maximize its potential, uh, help you sleep better at night with risk management tools, Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Judd, any other Vikings draft yes. things you want to throw at Doogie here? Yes. Dukes, let's go back to Trey Lance. And let's say Lance does fall, okay? I don't think he will, but let's say he does. And the Vikings pull the trigger on Trey Lance at, at 14. What's the internal discussion and potentially more juicy and more fun internal dissension because if, as we talked about on the show yesterday, if they do that, that's not a move that has anything to do with 2021. That's 2022. That's for sure 2023. And I told Phil this to me, that move, which by the way, I would personally applaud. Like that's a great, that's a great chance to take. But that move to me is a clear sign that Spielman would be severing himself from Zim 
Because I'm sure Mike would say, hold on a second here. We have all these needs for 2021, and you're taking a quarterback, which is great for you, but I might get fired here. What do you think that dynamic would be like internally? Because I think it would be exciting. I think the fan base would buy it, but it also would do nothing for you short-term as far as that first-round pick. But would it help if in the conversations with Mark Welf, with Ziggy Welf, that you sell to them, hey, this is a two- to three-year process. Like, and if 2021 doesn't go well, mm-hmm. like, we're back in 2022. Can you give us some assurance yeah. that we can invest in this young quarterback, that you give us that leeway that regardless of how 2021 plays out, yep. we're here not only in 2022, but likely in 2023 as well. But what I'm saying is would, would Rick would Rick go uh, rogue to a certain degree to go away from Mike? To, well, that's to not have Rick. That- Right to have that discussion. There's too much of a track record to suggest Rick won't do that. Yeah. Right, that Rick and Mike, for the, the most part, people in in you know in jeopardy. I, 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 this is hold on. This is like the, what Doogie just brought up. I think you know we've had these discussions too, which is it. We always get to this fork of the uh, fork in the road with Mike Zimmer, where it's like, well, uh, it's just time to fire him. If if you identify a quarterback of the future, then it's time to fire him. If I'm Mike Zimmer. And I want to prolong my career with the Minnesota Vikings, and a quarterback is falling to 14 that could be a franchise guy for 8 to 10 years. That's exactly the conversation I'm having with the Wills, which is, hey, listen, we're going to compete like hell in 2021. Our defense is going to be better. Kirk Cousins was great in the second half last year. We're going to do whatever we can. But we're still a piece or two short from being a true contender because we just spent a first-round pick on a quarterback. But I want to develop this guy for 2022-23. Rick wanted to draft this guy for 2022-23. So instead of judging us based on if we can eke to 10 wins in 2021, judge us on a Super Bowl blueprint for the next three to five years. That's what the conversation should be, not how much toothpaste can you squeeze out of the tube this year by passing on Trey Lance in favor of Quiddy Pay, for instance. Let's morph this conversation into a more likely scenario where they take a quarterback in the middle rounds. If they don't go quarterback... Agreed. In the first round, but maybe as soon as pick 78, now maybe 78 is packaged with another pick. Mm-hmm. You're right, Judd. I mean, Rick is going to make every effort possible to move back into the second round. But let's say they stick at 78. Let's say the Texas A&M quarterback, Kellen Mond, is staring them in the face at pick Phil 78. Guy. Phil loves this kid. How much does that change the conversation? Yet, yeah, Phil, you love him. I talked about this for a name drop. Desmond Howard is doing some ABC ESPN draft analysis. So I did a Zoom with Desmond on Tuesday. So I said to Desmond, hey, of the middle tier quarterback, so not Jones, you know, not the presumed first round guys, of the middle tier guys, who's one guy you really like? Who did Desmond say? Kellen Mond. The Vikings have done unbelievable homework on Kellen Mond. Now, does that mean they love him? I can't tell you that definitively, but my sense is there are Kellen Mond fans in Egan. So let's say Mond is staring them in the face at 78. Does that change things, or can we have that same conversation no, we just had? No, I think you're far with the first round quarterback. I I think that's I think that in their world that's probably ideal because I think the Wilfs buy in. I think Zim says, okay, I'd like a defensive player here, but but that's okay. I'm saying the, the first-round dynamic intrigues me because what Phil said is correct. It's not how the Vikings think, though. Like, they took Bradbury in the first round, 
And if they tell you that that was not a stretch and a reach, they're lying, okay? So so what Phil said would be the ideal conversation for the Vikings to have. I believe the reality is that they think first-round pick is going to help us. But where you are going to, Dukes, actually makes the most sense from their standpoint then because I think that you can sell a pick like Mond to everybody. I think Zim buys into that. I think Spielman does. I think the does, Welsh does do. Kirk, does Kirk? Of course he that? doesn't, and I don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, the I obvious mean, response. I mean, if you're Kirk, who gives a bleep? Mm-hmm. And really, like if if Kellen Mond, the selection of Kellen Mond in the third round throws Kirk for a loop, like, give me a break. They, Seriously. Dukes, they, and I don't think it would, by the way. They told they told that kid from the Calgary bleeping Stampeders of the CFL who said, I want to compete. Oh, that's not what we really want. <laughs> I remember so that. So Kellen Mond would bother Kirk. There's no doubt in my mind it would bother Kirk. Yeah. I do think they're taking a quarterback at some point. Like, I'm positive they are taking a linebacker at some point. Most likely day three, not day one or day two, but they are taking a linebacker. Undoubtedly, they are taking a pass rusher. In fact, I know Andre Patterson and the assistant defensive line coach had yet another Zoom conversation with a middle tier. I won't say his name quite this second, but they had like a third or fourth Zoom with a guy yesterday. So they are taking a pass rusher at some point. I think they take a safety at some point. I think they take a cornerback at some point. Maybe tight end. I still think they take multiple offensive linemen. I think it's two. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd put the over-under at one and a half. I'd bet the over. I think they take two offensive linemen, and I think they take a quarterback. I do. Now, running back, they can use one, right? Lose boom, but you'll find one in undrafted free agency. They could use a kicker to compete with Joseph, but I think you end up signing a guy undrafted free agency. But when it comes to the 10 draft picks, and 10 may end up as 9 or 8, but I'm just telling you, all those positions I just named, I feel confident that they are going to take those positions. All right, you guys ready to you guys ready to pick up the twin scab here off of uh, the late innings yesterday? If all right, Doogie, if I'm scab. if I'm in the Twins clubhouse right now, this is just my own my own personal opinion. If I'm in the Twins clubhouse right now, and yesterday was a back and forth slugfest, hard fought, a lot of things not going right, but you have a chance to win that game, and a routine bouncing ball to Travis Blankenhorn's left is turned into a, a Siyoshi Nishioka disaster mess and extends the game, and then a rise throws a ball into the stratosphere. I'm looking over at Andrelton Simmons, who's probably not in the clubhouse because he has COVID, and I'm thinking, all right, dude, listen, I don't want to get into like an anti-vax debate, but uh, your personal stance on not getting a vaccine has directly led to multiple players missing from the roster, including yourself, and directly led to Travis Blankenhorn being in over his head in a late-inning situation. Like it wouldn't. What's happened the last week would not sit well with me personally if I were in the Twins clubhouse, Doogie. I think that dynamic absolutely exists right now, Phil. I'm not sure the Twins, like other teams, like the St. Louis Cardinals and others, will reach the 85% threshold when it comes to guys that have been vaccinated. So that means that... The Cardinals, other teams that do get to that 85% mark, they can do certain things. They can leave the hotel. They can go to Top Golf. They can do all sorts of different things on the road. I don't know if the Twins are going to get there. And that, to me, would create just unbelievable friction. If you're Nelson Cruz, like, how are you not 
pissed off mm-hmm. other guys, right? And so there has to be all sorts of peer pressure for the Simmonses of the world. Just go get the damn vaccine. There's enough science out there. Do your research, but just do it for the greater good of of the chemistry in this clubhouse. But yeah, no doubt in my mind, it's a really, really awkward clubhouse right now. It is. And the problem is that we don't, like, now it's too late. So now he didn't, and he, he spread this thing, and... Yeah. Well, it's not too late. I mean, he can still get the vaccine. You need to wait a certain amount of time. No, no, but, but, I, but he could still I'm saying get the, the first, vaccine. No, I'm saying the, the first, um, the first damage is done now because mm-hmm. he got sick. He spread it. They've got it. They've, they've, you know, they're trying to make up games now. I, I, at some point in time, someone's going to have to make up two games on the West Coast, and so like this, this whole thing is now a huge pain. Um, and oh, by the way, the Twins are not good in seven inning games, right? Well, so, no, and they're not. That's good got in disaster extras, written all over. And they're not good in extras. What What's your personal opinion about this? Because right now, this thing looks like it's going off the tracks. And what it's it's sixteen games in or, or so. So it's not. You know, we're not twenty games in. So it's still very early in the season. But what's your personal opinion about what we're seeing here and the dynamic of it? Feels like some years things start to go wrong and they don't come back. Are we going down that path, in your opinion, Dukes? Well, it is odd. I mean, how they've lost a few games where the win probability was 96%, 98%. Let's not forget they blew a six-run lead to Seattle. I mean, they've lost so many weird ways, right? You yes. lose that that six-run lead, end up losing that game to the Mariners. You don't score two days ago, two seven-inning you know, double-header uh, type situation, you don't score over those 14 innings. Then the way Wednesday played out, right? Blowing four different leads. Colome blowing two save opportunities. But, like, do I think, like, as I look at the standings, the two worst teams in the American League right now, yep. the New York Yankees yeah. and the Minnesota Twins, exactly. do I think it'll end up like that in late September? No. Do I have... Do I have a strong belief that like this is going to keep spiraling out of control for the Twins? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. If you look at the next 14 to 16 games, I think we'll learn a lot more in the next two and a half weeks. Look at the schedule. It's the Pirates. It's the Indians. It's the Royals. Phil, do you have the schedule handy or Declan? The yeah. next 16 games will tell us a lot because like over the next 16 games, they need to find a way to go at least... Nine and seven, but more like ten and six, maybe even eleven and five. Yeah, they have Pittsburgh for three, at Cleveland for three, versus Kansas City for three, versus Texas for four, Detroit for four, and then you'll get some beaten potatoes with Chicago and Oakland. And okay, Denver. but through the Detroit series, yeah, yeah, those are a lot of winnable games. But then we thought that about the Red Sox games here, right? The sure. Mariners games here, but these next sixteen. Yeah. They need to rattle off 9 or 10, if not 11 or 12 victories. I think we'll know more in the next two and a half weeks. But right now, I don't have a great cause for concern on individuals I do. Like, Colome is Ron Davis right now, right? So that's a concern. Miguel Sano is a concern. There needs to be multiple roster moves later today or tomorrow morning. Alex Kirilov, Cody Stashek. Those two need to be in the Twins clubhouse Tomorrow, the Saints are doing a sim game this afternoon. Nice. I don't know if Stashak is 
is pitching or not. Hopefully he's not. But Stashek needs to be back with the Twins tomorrow. They need to call up Alex Kirilov. Like right now, you've got Tellus on the 26-man roster. You've got Blankenhorn on the 26-man roster. Like, come on. Get Alex Kirilov <laughs> yeah. up here. I may even feel, I may even take it a step further. Call me nuts. I'm Jake Caved Out. Like, if you want him as the fourth outfielder, <laughs> That's fine. Not but nuts. I'm you, Jake Caved Out. Right party you're in the right you come to the right party. Yeah. It's Trevor Larnick time. God. Like, he's not whoa, a young whoa, He's buddy. not a young guy. He's a college guy. It's not like they drafted him at 17. Reckless speculation. Yeah. And I get it. Last right. year was a throwaway year. He could use some AAA at bats. So maybe right this second is a bit aggressive, but like I want Trevor Larnick in the outfield here pretty hey, darn quick. Doogie, I'm watching Brent Rooker play and then right field yesterday. And they're off at first base, and you um, limit the Miguel Sano at bats. Yeah, I'm watching Brent Rooker play right field yesterday. Do you have an update on his two torn Achilles tendons? Oof. Or his two butcher of Edward Scissorhands. I still think there's something there with Rooker. Does he have six torn knee ligaments that I don't know about? Like, <laughs> like is he carrying an invisible piano around with him in right field? What is, he has what, what swung and missed at some pitches that, that I know he can hit. So I, I don't know what the heck's going on with, with Rooker right now. I'm not off the Rooker bandwagon, but I don't want him as an everyday guy right now. Not in your outfield, you don't. So I'm willing to mix it up a little bit. Certainly Kirilov. Like Alex Kirilov. Kirilov can come up now, right? Needs to be, yeah. The, like we're I two, think it's today, isn't it? Or it's tomorrow. It's April twenty well, second, April twenty third. He got the one day because they they called him up for the splitty against the Red Sox, right? So he got one day. So I think it backed it up. It, it was originally April sixteenth. Okay, so we're even a few days. So yeah, so I think you can be up so for tomorrow's good. game. Yeah, you get the, the extra year of what twenty twenty seven. Who cares right now about twenty twenty seven? Yeah, have to have Kirilov in the lineup tomorrow. Like that to me is is a no brainer. Yeah. There is, uh, there are certain things you can fix, you know, and I think certain things that will be fixed. There's, there's a couple things that can't be fixed when it comes to the Twins that I, that I worry about, and it's this, it, it goes back to last year too. I mean, there's been playoff yips and whatnot, but there was a couple plays defensively last year where like the moment just swallowed guys up. The Jorge Polanco errant throw in the game against the Astros. Although his ankle was so messed up. He should not have been playing all those games last year. His ankle was more messed up than anybody knew. Then we found out after the fact. I actually ended up doing an interview with him via his agent with with the translating. But like Jorge told me, like he battled through. Like there's no way he sure. should have played almost every day last year. Then you guys remember there was a, a tailor made triple play hit at Luis Arise last year, and he sort of freaked out. Like didn't know what to do, what base to throw it to. Um, a couple other instances in the playoffs where guys just had to do basic things to move runners or defensively. And, and Jake Cave with these errant dives in the outfield. Then yesterday, you know, two just basic defensive plays. Yeah, and the pressure's sort of high, but it's also Wednesday in Oakland, the third week in the season. But in that moment, Blankenhorn was clearly swallowed up. Arise was clearly swallowed up. That ball didn't just like slip out of his hand. He was nervous. Yeah. Did he make a mistake he, at all? He, he Could he have nervous. gotten the runner running the third base? Now I think it was close. The logical close. play is you field the ball, you yeah. make the throw across yes. the diamond. I understand yes. his thought process there, but I just wonder in hindsight if he should have just run thing, over like, to the third base bag and tagged the bag. You've got a manager that really, like, his main attribute, he's supposed to specialize in being super level-headed and meditative. Which but he listen, is. Guys, I don't think anybody would debate okay? that. So why does the team clam up in big spots? And if that's the case, then he clearly isn't effectively 
conveying his meditative state to some of these players. Like, why are you getting that nervous on a basic throw from third to first? But they go, they've got the games on the line. Oh, my God. And, like, throw the ball in the upper deck. Like, it's it's infuriating to me. <laughs> the Blankenhorn one, <laughs> you can't make up. Like, really. Like, like what is he doing? My 10-year-old. Is it the first Drew time he's ever seen goes, a ball? Dad, I make that play. <laughs> and, like, I feel yeah, confident that, that he I'm would. with him. Like, he, he practices like, every day. He loves it. Like, I'm positive. That routine up. ground ball. Call Drew Gale. He yeah. makes that play. My 10-year-old makes that play. Yeah. Yeah. And he's awesome. a I mean, good player for his age. He's not an all-star for his age. And he makes yeah, that he, play. Like, I don't sorry, know how Blankenhorn blew that. I really don't. He cannot be on the team today. You Like, you, you, you can't be that nervous and that just, like, completely inept. And maybe he'll be ready. He was a third-round pick. Maybe he'll be ready in a year to play in the major leagues. But when your emotions are that absolutely just overtaken by a Wednesday game in Oakland, third week in the regular season, it's time to go take some deep breaths in St. Paul. Sorry. My, my two problems with that game, among them, my two biggest problems are this. Maeda start. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? And, and Colome who came in in the ninth of a wild game. I mean, this is the definition of what a closer should do, right? Been a wild game, but we're up by one. Oh, my God. Oh, here's a save. Look at that. Now we're going home, and the trip sucked, but at least we won. Um, when It's it's like it's like the Twins have, have spent the first two weeks of this year with a gasoline can and matches. And everywhere that they go, they pour the gasoline out, Dukes, and they take the matches and throw it on and say, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And, of course, it blows up. But the Maeda start was brutal, like concerningly bad. I, I hope that's not a sign of oh, things Oh, that Oakland come. lineup? Yeah, but like, they just don't stretch. I, I really no, like no, they that don't. I love, I love them. And, look, every year they're incredible because every year they should be horse bleep and they're good and they've got some great players. But that being said... Maeda's the exact guy that you wanted to send out for that start yesterday, I thought. And it could not have gone worse. You know, if he got through five or something, you're like, okay, it wasn't great, but it wasn't. But, I mean, that whole thing just, to me, fed into what the meltdown of the first two weeks of the 2021 Twins season has been. And that's why, when I say that there are individual concerns from my standpoint, that on a collective basis, I still feel okay. Plus, hey, I think every team in the division has some warts right now. Yep. You know, so I don't think I don't think the White Sox. I don't think anybody's winning ninety four games in this division. Okay, like you may end up winning the Central at eighty nine or ninety, but like, yeah, it's the two guys you just mentioned. It's Sano, like go up and down the list, and like Phil on on Colome, and he's now Alexander. Like, when did that happen? What? He's been Alex for how long? And all of a sudden, now he's Alexander. The last couple weeks. All right, Alexander. I want to go back to Alex. Doesn't he have like? Any swing and miss type stuff, Phil? Like, I thought yeah. at some point he, does, he could yes. induce a swing and a miss. He's no, he, not he, inducing he, any swings and misses right now. Yeah, he's. I mean, this is as bad as he's looked in probably several years. I think he's going to be fine at some point. It's not like he's throwing, you know, his velocity is still touching mid-90s. But So this is going to be really stat nerdy. But um, he, he, gets, he gets swings and misses on 25% of swings in his career. So, now, is he Josh Hader? No, but, like, he gets more swings and misses than you've seen in the last few outings for sure. So, you know, see, he doesn't have command, clearly doesn't have confidence. He's just nibbling on the edges, and uh, and I think he gets thrown for a loop when, like yesterday, there was a couple at-bats where guys would foul off on strike two two or three times, and he just doesn't know what to do, so he starts nibbling. 
and he's just a, he's afraid of contact. And I would be too if I had spaz infielders because Andrelton Simmons is going to be out for another week. So anyway, that's why I, I think know, when they do have their full complement, when Kepler's back, when Theobar's back in the bullpen, like they missed Theobar yesterday. Right, mm-hmm. and he's not positive. I texted with Caleb the other day. Like, this is contact tracing. Yeah, you know, so it's hard for him to wrap his arms around that. Like, I'm fine. Like, yeah. I don't have it, yep. but now I'm on this COVID list, and I can't help my team win a game in Oakland. You know, but yep. when they get the Obar back, Kepler, Simmons, get all these guys back, I still think they're a pretty good team. I do. All right, we know that you have to go here, Doogie, so uh, any any parting scoop shots here before we say goodbye? We should get some news. I swapped messages with Philip Rabrasha, North Dakota basketball transfer. Had a really good game against the Gophers in December at the barn, 20-something points. He's one of the better players, probably top 100 right now in the portal. The portal includes over 1,200 players right now. I actually think it's closer to 1,400. I mean, it's free agency in college basketball, but anyway... Ben Johnson did another Zoom with him earlier this week. Robrasha told me his decision is imminent. So that could be later today, could be tomorrow. I suppose it could be Saturday, but sometime here pretty quick. It seemingly is down to, now Rick Pitino is pushing hard at Iona, but it looks like for Robrasha, the Gophers or the Iowa Hawkeyes. So a nice little battle, Minnesota and Iowa. I mentioned to Judd the other day, but I'll mention to you, Phil, you know, and, and anybody that maybe didn't watch us on Tuesday, Tuesday was such a hectic day with, with the verdict. So I get it that, that our conversation got lost. Tom Curvers, wild assistant general manager. Just if you're into prayer, he's got inoperable lung cancer. Just if you're into prayer or just if you're not, just have Tom Curvers in your thoughts. Great guy. It's too bad. And yeah, I mean, he's not even 60 years old and it's just, it's, it's not going well right now. So just thoughts and prayers out to, to Tom Curvers. All right. Doogie, thanks for joining as always. And people can find, so there's there's going to be three doses of Doogie every single week. His Scoop podcast on scorenorth.com, and you can also find it on ksgp.com. And then bonus Scoop with Judd on Tuesdays on Mackie and Judd. And then the uh, the main event Scoop here also on Thursdays on the show. So Dukes will talk next Thank week. Thank you, Phil. The conversations doses. I've had the last few days, Mark Coyle, Desmond Howard, my buddy Thor Nystrom, nice. who covers the draft for for formerly uh, Roto World, it's now NBC Sports Edge, but he's mm-hmm. he's a draft aficionado. We went for like 45 minutes, bunch on the Vikings, bunch on Rashad Bateman. So I've got those conversations to get out there. Peyton Willis, I caught up with the new Gophers guard, the old Gophers guard who is now the new Gophers guard who right now is their starting point guard. I caught up with Peyton. I caught up with Parker Fox after he committed to the Gopher basketball team. So I've got all those conversations to get on, whether it's my next scoop or maybe a couple scoops. I've got those conversations to get out there in the coming days. Love it. Love and Mark it. Coyle was, right. was good. I mean, I talked to Mark for, for 30-something minutes. Judd, at the end, I brought it up that he should do more. Yep. And he said, yeah. And he goes, Doogie, you know, I get my second vaccine here in a few weeks. You know, and I told him that, that I am too. He goes, let's get together for lunch. You know, coffee. He's not a coffee guy. He's a hot chocolate guy. But he goes, let's get together and, and formulate guy, some sort of plan. You know, and, and I even said to Mark, I go, not just me. Like, you know, no, you the other TV you. stations in no, town. No, screw them. But, but just me. yeah, so we're, we're going to come up with something where, where hopefully Mark does, does a little bit more in terms of interviews. All the cool. scoops. All right, Dukes. Okay. Thanks, buddy. See you, boys. Bye. All right, that's Darren Doogie Wilson from Five Eyewitness News. Um, all right, well, we sort, of, we sort of touched on pulling the Band-Aid off that ridiculous loss for the Twins yesterday, but let's make it official here, boys. We're going to win, Twins. We're going to score.
That's right. We talk twins. Talking yeah, twins talk with Mackie Travis and Judd. Travis Blankenhorn sore. Every day. Oh, my God. Ta- talking, talking Travis Blankenhorn every single day on the show here and our Talking Twins discussions, powered in part by our friends at Dennis Kirk and DennisKirk.com. Best in the business. If you like to ride motorcycles, it's super nice out in the Twin Cities today. It's a little, little oh, yeah. bit of a riding, uh, riding season glimpse here today. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. Order before 8 p.m. They ship the same day, and shipping is free on orders over $89. DennisKirk.com. Um, you know, I I don't think we need to waste any more time. Let's okay. just get right to the... Uh... Now on Mackie and Judd... This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? Can I go first? Sure. Of course. Okay. Your show? I just... Uh, I didn't sleep last night. Ooh. Blankenhorn. 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 What about that arise, though? Come on. Blankenhorn. All right. See you, Dukes. Well, we'll get there. Bye. Bye, Doogie. All right. Um, I have five slices of pie on my pie chart of blame. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. We'll start with pie slice number one, and I'm going to just cut these all evenly. Really, they're... You could... could, Judd might go 40% on one of these. I'm just going to go even. I'm not going to devote any math mental energy to this team right now. (laughs) You all get the same pie in the pie chart of blame. All right. Kenta Maeda, carrot just turned into a pumpkin here. I'm not saying it's not salvageable, but, like, where is the pitcher that finished second in Cy Young Award voting? Mm-hmm. Okay, have a bad inning, that's one thing. Like, did you forget how to pitch altogether? Are you tipping pitches? Yeah. What's that happening? Was brutal. It was awful. So he gets the first slice of pie. Mm-hmm. The second slice of pie goes to the closer, Alex Colomay. Uh, I, I honestly think he's going to snap out of it at some point. He has too good of a track record over like seven years to not be a really good reliever this year unless there's something physically wrong with him. Yep. But right now, he's unusable in close late games. It, yes, like he, he just, is. Yep. You, you just need to go at some point to a closer by committee. Now, of course, and I'll get into this with, with uh, somebody else in the pie chart, it's not as easy as just saying, well, why don't you just put Taylor Rogers out there? Well, Taylor Rogers pitched like two and a third and was the reason why the Twins were still leading going into the ninth. Correct. In large part. So you got to be careful about just, I mean, if Alex Colome comes in at the same time as Taylor Rogers came in, Oakland's leading, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's not it's not as easy as, well, why don't, why don't Rogers, you know, Rogers might be more valuable in a non-ninth inning role for the Twins. All right, third piece of pie. Split between Travis Blankenhorn and Luis Arise. Guys, this is Major League Baseball. Okay, these are routine plays. This is not, by the way, like, I know that there was tension in that game yesterday because it was back and forth and it was close and there's runners on base. I, I get all that, but, dude, it's a Wednesday in April. Take a deep breath and make a routine play, both of you guys. And explain Arise. Blankenhorn freaking Dude, he out. Gets nervous. I, I sort he gets of nervous. I, you know, I sort of get that though. Like he got put in. He didn't. You know, I I don't play a lot. Oh my god, I got to make this play. Luis Arise has spent, I believe, the majority of the first two weeks of this season playing third base. Yeah. Remember, you Not guys new. remember that play I alluded to with Doogie, where it was the bases were yes. loaded, I think, and yep. he was shaded up the middle. There was there was like a soft liner hit up the middle. Yep. And I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look at the details. I just remember there was a triple play, at least like it was a tailor-made double play, almost impossible to not get two outs. And he didn't know what base to throw it to, yes. and then he like got, got nervous. He wasn't thinking ahead. He wasn't calming himself down. And I remember telling you guys after that play, 
This is probably an overreaction, but sometimes there are certain plays and certain things happen where it makes you think differently about that player going forward. And I remember thinking, like, this dude can hit, but I, I think differently about him as a fielder after that happened. There's no way he can come back from that. And same thing yesterday. Well, and that th- What are you doing, dude? And that, End the game. Right, and that throw wasn't even close. Like, it wasn't like, oh, that was just high, too bad. He mm-hmm. airmailed it into the bullpen. Yep. And he, by the way, like, I think most third basemen would have fielded and thrown all in one motion, fast runner, and he sort of like yeah. he fielded and then he he played patty cake three times, and then had to rush the throw because he played patty cake three times. Yeah, you know it's just like I don't know. You were correct. All right, uh, the the fourth piece of pie goes to Rocco for two things. Number one, for pinch running Travis Blankenhorn for Josh Donaldson in the tenth inning to start extra innings, and I get that the logical move is well. You got to put a fast runner there, or and and maybe even in the Twins' case, someone who's not going to pop a calf muscle or a hamstring. Correct. But if Josh Donaldson is healthy enough to be playing in three consecutive games, a doubleheader back to back, and then another game, and he's one of your a best hitters and b best fielders, you should think twice about pulling him from a tied game, especially when Andrelton Simmons is not available to play shortstop. So. By 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 hyper obsessing, and a lot of managers do they they hyper obsess over pinch running for hitters late in games in tie games, especially when the game might go two or three more innings, right? And that guy's going to come back around, and now he's out. And I I just think you have to put more thought into the side effects that happen, like the next inning when it's a close game, and Byron Buxton hit the home run to put him up by two, but like now you have to lock these guys down mm-hmm. with a contact pitcher on the mound. And you don't have Andrelton Simmons, and you don't have Josh Donaldson. So now you've got Luis Arise, who's not a great fielder, and you've got Travis Blankenhorn, who's never really played in the big leagues, right? And these guys are expected to make plays to end a game against a really good team. So, like, think think beyond, like, oh, we need a fast runner at second base. Well, okay, could you could you forfeit five extra steps on the base paths to protect against having Blankenhorn playing in the field in that spot? You know? That was a beef. And then I think... Colome coming back out for a second inning when he's clearly gassed. He's throwing like 50 pitches. Um, your options included Jorge Alcala, 22 pitches the day before, so not ideal, and he wasn't good. Uh, Luke Farrell, 29 pitches the day before, so not ideal. Lewis Thorpe had thrown 10 pitches the day before and 60 pitches four days before, so he would have been an option. And Devin Smeltzer was fresh. If you wanted to use Devin Smeltzer, he was fresh. And so the argument might be, well, we don't really trust Smelter in that spot. Then why is he on the team? <laughs> you trust Cody Stashak? Why did he go to? Why is he well, in the minor leagues right now? Why is Cody Stashak yeah, not up here? Exactly. It's just like so. Front office, Rocco, and then uh, uh, pie chunk number five. The last seventeen years of Twins baseball, clamming up in big spots. Not always, but almost always. <laughs> Playoffs, big spots, late in games. Like, what are you guys doing? Stop throwing the ball into the upper deck when you can end the game. It'd be so, nice. All right. I'll shut up now. All right. I got six pieces of pie. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Divide it up in weird, weird ways to torture it into being a 100% pie. I'll start at the bottom. 3% goes to Jake Cave. 0 for 5, three strikeouts. What's going on? Like, why is this guy, why is he here? And since he's here, why is he playing so much, and I know now it's because, well, we're, we got COVID running through our team. Again, I ask you this. I ask you a very simple question. 
Did you really think it would be that bad? Did you really think it would be that tough to put Alex Kirloff on a commercial flight in 2021 with a mask on to fly to the West Coast to play in this series? Because you had the option and you said it's not worth that risk. Well, you know what? You know what's not worth the risk? These eyes, if you're watching, the Zolgadian eyes having to watch Jake Cave play baseball, that's not worth a risk to me, okay? You could have called up Kirilov, and instead instead, you had me watch Jake Cave. Shame on you. These eyes have seen a lot of Jake Cave, and they're never going to see another outfielder like you. I love it. (laughs) I love it. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, fifth on my list. Because he was put into a situation that was just perfect for him to fail, and he did. 10% piece of pie. Phil's guy, Travis Blankenhorn, who was asked to pinch run, and I get why, but everything's Travis gone wrong, wrong. And this guy, I mean, that, my God, that ball was hit right. To, that was a third out special. And he's just like, what do I do with that hot potato? Oh, my God, I can't. No. Yeah, yeah was the ball on fire? That's like, what I was oh, my say. God. <laughs> It's like, I mean, it's literally like there there was a bundle of TNT that had been lit on fire hit to him. He's like, I got to get out of here. All right. Okay, here's here's one more thing real quick on, on Blankenhorn. Because I was thinking, hey, Blankenhorn, you know, why him and not one of these other guys? Yep. So Trevor Larnick and Alex Kirloff. Uh, Kirloff has played more games at AA than Larnick. But Larnick's only played like a half season at AA. And so I can see, all right, like. Probably need a little more seasoning before you call these guys up. And Larnick is an outfielder, not an infielder, so sure. that's an argument, too. I mean, Travis Blankenhorn has only played 93 games above A-ball. So he's not. it's not like he's Mr. Experience, either. It, I guess it's because he's an infielder, and they just need more infielders. And so that's why he was in that game yesterday, but... Not sure I feel confident using him in the infield. Uh, not, no, no, you shouldn't feel confident. The Rock knows at all. how you feel about All pie. right, my um my next slice of pie is a I think this is the first time. Twelve percent slice of pie. Well. Louisa Rise deserves more pie than Blankenhorn because he's a veteran who's been playing third base all of the time. And my god I mean, that the throw that he made yesterday is the type of throw that starts a player on the way to the throwing yips. It's Steve Sachs. It's Knobloch. Like, he literally guided that ball into the bullpen across the diamond. That wasn't a, oh, he's got a cannon and he he let loose and it flew over the head of my favorite player, the turtle, Williams Ostadia. That ball, like, was shanked. It looked like a golf shot. That is the start of a throwing problem. And he made the hardest part of the play, which is it was sort of a scorching, too hot ground ball, right? That could have easily eaten him up or gone through him, and he and he picks it. That's the hardest part. You picked it, fast runner, but dude, and even if you're gonna make a bad throw, at least throw it on a hop, right? Give the first but baseman just, a chance. But he air, air on the side of throwing it but, on a hop, but so that's that the, the thing, first Phil. baseman can scoop it. But that's the thing, Phil. He didn't even get it close enough to be like that there was a thought behind the throw. He he just looked up, panicked, and he shanked the throw. Like it went into the woods. It's a golf shot that goes into the woods. <laughs> like he threw. He, the motion was bizarre. And you know what? I'll tell you what. If you've got that problem, my friends at PXG Minneapolis... <laughs> 
can help you out here. That's right. If you haven't been to TXG Minneapolis, it's a golfer's paradise. I have a hard time believing you're going to be shanking balls into the woods on the right with these new Gen 4 golf clubs, which have landed. The drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons. These are PXG's flagship clubs, ladies and gentlemen. And if you just want to look good, you just maybe 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 you're going to shank a ball into the woods, but you just want to look good doing it. PXG's spring and summer apparel has arrived in store. PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center and find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. That was beautifully done. Next piece of pie, (laughs) 15% to yesterday's starter, Kenta Maeda, who a year ago established himself as your ace. I think there was no question about it. Burrios was next, and I like Burrios, but Kenta Maeda was your ace to the point, as Phil mentioned, he was second in the Cy Young voting. He was that good. Yesterday's start was incomprehensibly bad. It was, I mean, if you had, if when you woke up yesterday, if you were Baldelli, Falvey, Levine, or just a Twins fan, you said, you know what? It's been a rough start for sure. The road trip's been hell, but we've got the right guy starting. Like, it's not Shoemaker. It's not Hap. We've got the right guy. This is the guy you want. And he didn't go out and have a bad start. He was awful. Yeah. He was awful. Like, this is, uh, Kenta, you're the one who's supposed to say this this ends now, and instead you're like, uh, you know. And, I mean, Oakland, look, they've got underrated players. I like them a lot, but they ain't the 27 Yankees. <laughs> like, you can beat them. There's no rule that you can't beat them. Um, next slice of pie, 20%. Alexander, Alex, gasoline can. I don't care what your first name is. Column A. I think we might have to remove the... Uh... I think we might have to shorten the name even more, I think. I think it's just going to be E. Colome based on the defenders behind him. Just pick the E out of his name. It can just be E. Colome for his third baseman and second baseman. 20% slice of pie to him. And and this is a season-long achievement award, not just based on one game. Seven appearances, three blown saves, ERA at 563, one and two, he has fewer saves than blown saves. Um, it's it's baffling how he looks like he looks like a guy right now who was for the first time in his life handed the closer's role. Like, oh my god, I'm I'm now a closer. I was a setup guy. This role is too much for me. Except then you look at his uh, his what nine years in the big leagues, and he's been a closer for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm beginning to wonder if the White Sox knew something. And the White Sox, um, when the Twins signed Colome to his one-year contract back in February, broke open a bottle of uh, Dom Perignon and said, that's exactly what we wanted. This is great. And then my final slice of pie, 40%. Rocco Baldelli, okay? I'm actually going to give, with all that went wrong on the trip and the COVID, I'm going to give Rocco a bit of a pass on the Blankenhorn decision because I'm big on get Josh out. Like, I don't trust Donaldson, you know, there's a there's a ground ball into left field. Oh, he's going to cut it loose. Oh, now he's being carried off on a stretcher. But here's where I have a major problem with Rocco, and I think the zen of Rocco might be backfiring or just not working right now. What does Rocco always tell us about his bullpen and his closers? I'm not going to name a closer because I have a lot of guys that can close. We have a lot of guys that will be in different roles, and they'll be slotted here, and they'll be slotted there. So why is Alexander Colomay... Now you're designated, and he is, three blown saves, two saves, five games in seven appearances. 
Why is he the guy who has to close? And I understand, I understand that he could have come in and melted down before, but at least get him into a different role right now where you dial down the immediate pressure of, oh my God, it's a save opportunity and I've been struggling. And Rocco is big on telling us, and I, I fundamentally agree with this. Hey, we don't really have a closer. We have a lot of guys that can do, do that. So why are you not trying to get Colome back on track by dialing down the pressure in the short term? Um, you've got other options of guys that can close. I mean, Rodgers uh, came in, Phil, and he pitched well, and I give him credit, okay? But aren't we to the point where Colome should come in before Rodgers right now just to see if a change in direction will get him righted? Like, this Rogers, to me feels like banging your head off the wall. I wouldn't change Rodgers' role. I, I, I mean, if, if there's opportunities for him to pitch the ninth, he should pitch the ninth, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Like if if you're in a close game and you need a firefighter in the seventh inning, he's great at that role right now, yeah. and that's just as important of a role. Just because you didn't blow the lead in the ninth doesn't mean that like you're trying to preserve leads, and sometimes right. you have to face the heart of the order in the seventh inning, and that's the more important spot in that moment. And so, I'm not going to just like pull Taylor Rogers from his current role and let him collect dust until they have a lead in the ninth. That's that would be I now agree you're with that yeah now you're, now you're causing two problems. But is there somebody else? But there's got to be another option. Is, is there somebody else that you can put in that ninth inning role that you trust more? And you know, Tyler Duffy would be the obvious option, but he's kind of struggling this yeah. year too. Um, so I, I mean, honestly, I would try Tyler Duffy in that role. Somebody else right needs now. to. Somebody else needs to be employed, though. Like you, you can't tell me constantly, which you do, that you don't have a closer, and then bring in the same guy who's pitching horribly right now as your closer. Game after game after game. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. So, all right, there it is. All right, Declan? Yeah, I got a quick one here. Uh, just three pieces of pie. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory. 10% goes to Kenta Maeda. Um, Kenta just is not the same pitcher he was last year. I think regression was inevitable. Look, opponents hit 168 against him last year. Kenta, even though he was phenomenal last, he's not Clayton Kershaw in his prime, dude. Like he's he's not that good. So you knew there was going to be some type of regression. But right now, opponents are hitting three fifty four against him, um, and he just doesn't look like the same guy. He's not getting the swings and misses he was, and he was supposed to be your ace. So I'm giving ten percent of my pie uh, to Kenta Maeda. The next two pieces of pie are equal. Forty percent goes to the bad news bears that is the Minnesota Twins right now. This goes on Rocco. This goes on Blankenhorn entering the game. Luis Arise throwing across the diamond like I was at 12 years old trying to play third base. This is just awful to watch right now. It's painful getting into the eighth and ninth innings of these games with leads, still not feeling comfortable about the situations. And and, and to Phil's point, the clamming up, pressure is on, the lights are here, and you just bleep down your leg every single time. And it's getting extremely frustrating to watch, so 40% of my pie it's the bad news bears right now that is this Minnesota yeah, Twins le- ball Legitimately club. one of the most, hard to quantify, but legitimately one of the most mentally weak franchises in the last 15 years in Major League Baseball. 100%. And that's why even in 2019 they got the Yankees. The Yankees weren't worried either. Like, let's slay the Dragons. Like, no, it's the Twins. They're they're completely fine. And, and that's because they used to beat up on them all the dang time. Mm-hmm. Uh, last chunk of pie, 40% goes to Alex Colome. Um, I'm sorry, dude. This guy just is not himself right now. Uh, opponents, again, teeing off on him. He has an exit velocity of 94 miles an hour. His hard hit rate is way up. His ground ball rate is down. His line drive rate is up. Opponents are just having a field day against him. I agree with Phil. 
I, I don't think it's completely disastrous. And like fans are saying, even our Twitter mentions like, oh, he needs to be cut DFM right now, blah, blah, blah. No, he's a good pitcher. He's probably not as bad as these metrics say, but he cannot be continued to rely on in the ninth inning, in the save role. And to Judd's point of Rocco Baldelli not naming a closer, well, dude, you're throwing him out there every single time to be your closer, and he's blown three saves and only has two on him. So 40% of the pie to Alex Colomay, 40% of my pie to the Bad News Bears, it is the Twins, and 10% of my pie to Kenta Maeda. You got a 10% the Rock chunk knows left how there, Jets. About pie. I'm sorry. Well, tw- oh, I don't care. 20%. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. I don't care. I, I, I mean, no, but you just didn't have a, like, you didn't I make a whole pie. I went to Cloud State, okay? I, I, like, I, I went to the store you know to buy what? a pie. I don't even, I don't even want, pie, I don't even want to give the last chunk of pie. I don't even want to give out the last chunk of pie. The 10% of pie can go I in the buy this pie. I don't care. Go for it. You can take it. Yeah, did someone like did someone open the pie yeah. and break the seal? What, yep. what happened? Yep. What no, happened? And they the stole a piece of pie. I just decided that that, uh, that I don't want anything to do with this pie anymore. So I said I'm putting the pie on the side, and it can just sit there. I don't need. I don't need. I don't need to. I don't need to add up any other piece for it. Okay. The Rock knows how my you feel pie. about pie. You guys can do it. You your pie. This is my pie. Well, there is your pie chart of blame for just an epic, epic disaster loss by the Twins. Yesterday, talking twins every single day here. <laughs> talking twins. On Mackie and Judd. Fire everybody. <laughs> oh. So, all right. Well, the other thing we do on Thursdays here, and this this might not be good for us today especially, but we go back in the archives. It's called Old Tweets Exposed on Mackie and Judd. Yeah. Over a decade of Twitter history to pull from here, and uh, we'll see what Declan has cooked up today. Well, um, it, it, it was going to be a Jorge Polanco edition of Old Tweets Exposed, and it still is, by the way. It still is a, a Jorge Polanco edition of Old Tweets Exposed. He was Exposed. great yesterday. And yesterday, of course, he gets a four-hit game. I pull these tweets uh, before the game started. At the same time, they're still relevant. Judd, I think, is going to be your clubhouse winner. If it wasn't, nice. if it wasn't for Mr. Phil Mackey tweeting out about Alex Colomay before the inning even starts, I'll tweet <laughs> it before the inning so yeah. you guys can hammer me. Colomay yeah. is a good reliever who is off to a bad start. He will be fine. And Phil, <laughs> fine. Yep. Big mess up. Phil self-reported. Yeah, good for you, though. Okay, I'll tell you what. So that last inning, his his second inning took like four hours to complete. He yeah. just it was the slowest walk down the plank. It made it made Eddie Gordado look efficient and lights out, right? <laughs> and so I had a retweet queued up of that initial tweet to say, Alex Colomay with the well deserved win in this game. Can't believe all you guys were so nervous. And I was ready to hit send for like a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> and then these idiots, Blankenhorn and Rise, decided to just freak out. And so that would have been a great tweet had they had one of those guys made the play. All right. Okay, so that's a very that that's very strong. All right. I still stand by it. I still stand by I get it. Phil Mackey, April 25th, 2017. A lot of twins positives right now. Miguel Sano is a beast plus playing solid defense. Buxton yeah. figuring it out. Kepler plus Polanco. <laughs> Good at well, the plates. Okay, you know what the most egregious part of this was? The Miguel Sano, Sano playing. Yeah, I was just gonna I was going to report part. you for the Sano. Yeah. What? Yeah. What was I drinking? What oh, time boy. was this? Oh, uh, 1019 10, 19 on yeah, April 25th. That's, that's quite yeah, a few, this, yeah. this is a this definitely had a cocktail. Yeah, that is there. a Manhattan or a or a finger of tequila. Oh, Manhattan. At least, <laughs> oh, at least. Manhattan. oh boy. It's ten o'clock in that late. One hundred percent. That'll knock you out. All right, probably at Red Rabbit. Yeah. I feel you, man. Not a bad choice. Uh you know, this next one from Judd. He's been loving some Anderson Simmons defense, but on August 21st, 2020, excuse me, 
We need to start crediting Jorge Polanco with becoming a pretty darn good shortstop. <laughs> For as much as we talk about what he can't do in the field, he's doing everything he's being asked to do right now, and he's making plays look easy with on-target throws. <laughs> Kiss and no. I blame the pandemic. Look at look at the date. I blame the pan- I yep. was in the midst of the pandemic, okay? Yep. I was looking for anything positive. Literally two down. months later, he makes a devastating boneheaded bad oh, throw God, that terrible. ends the Twins playoff. And it wasn't because his foot hurt or his ankle hurt. It's because it was a terrible play. Yeah, all due You're respect right. to Doogie, and I get that he's yeah. you know he's trying to defend Polanco there, but I don't think there was a sharp shooting pain going through his leg when he airmailed that throw. I think there was a sharp shooting pain uh, of nervousness going through his brain Rocco, just like all these other players. And Rocco said, you know what? I need a real shortstop. Where can I get an anti-vaxxer at shortstop? <laughs> oh, my God. He can play short. I'll give him that. Oh, Angela Simmons is yeah. a gr- fantastic been, shortstop. Yeah, great there. All right. Mine's yeah. not as egregious, uh, but actually it was a quote tweet from a graphic we made also very similar to the data judge tweet. Uh, which local athlete is more underrated, Jared Spurgeon or Jorge Polanco? And I said, I think the easy answer is Spurgeon because of longevity. But, man, I feel like we don't talk about Jorge Polanco enough either. And I was meaning that yeah. in a he deserves credit yeah. for being a very, very good player. Listen, now, y- yesterday was the guy that we remember from two years ago where he's just he's super smooth, confident, just yeah. lacing singles. Nice contact. Sometimes I think he gets a little power happy. And, like, he swings out of his cleats sometimes. And I just want to tell him, listen, man, the ball ain't juiced anymore. All you have to do is hit, like, 275. You're not, you're not juiced base. anymore. The ball ain't yeah. juiced anymore. <laughs> There's really no juice here, Jorge. Sorry about that. Draw walks and just get on base. Hit singles, get on base. That's all we need from – everybody doesn't have to be a launch angle home run hitter. Now, if you've got that ability and you're Josh Donaldson and you're Alex Kirloff or you're, you know, you're Nelson Cruz, launch angle away, baby. If you're Luis Arise and you're Jorge Polanco, just put how barrel about, on ball and get on first base. How about Dex? Write that down. Write that down. Hours after oh. his Donaldson prediction fell through because he did not hit a home run from the time we did write that down last week until yesterday, Josh Donaldson comes to the plate in homers. You are snake bit. You are you are Alexander Colomay. I wouldn't that say down. I'm snake bit. Uh, a certain someone on this show is literally above the Mendoza line right now. I mean, I I'm, wow. I got a little bit of a oh, snide wow. going, but oh, I wouldn't say wow. I, I'm snake. Oh, it's right getting now. personal. Okay, well, I you want bomb. to talk about hot and cold streaks? Yeah. I think one of us one of us had a prediction two hours after it was made come to fruition. I told oh, you the Twins would score God. at least seven runs in a game this week, and boom. They scored seven runs uh, about and, two hours later. And you wanted right. to say 10, and you should have said 10. I know. Uh, 10 would have been a home run. Yeah. I would have gotten the home run yesterday. But yeah. Oh, well. All right, boys. Well, that that was a very therapeutic episode of Who Mackie wins? and Judd. I think you do. Oh, you do, for sure. My Polanco? Yeah, you do. Thank yeah, you very you much. Just like, just, it's like lavish praise. And to go out of your way to say just how great, accurate throws. Just he's just look at those pinpoint I'm, tell, I'm blaming throws. the pandemic. Anything that happened in 2020, <laughs> pandemic. Amazing. Uh, all right, that's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd. We are all in on mock drafts and simulations and having fun with those on Purple Daily every day leading up to the draft. So check us out on our other daily show, Purple Daily. And please click, click subscribe on the Score North YouTube channel. Helps us uh, grow the show and uh, entertain you in your feed every day. We'll see you guys tomorrow. For uh, By the way, we're going to do Major League Sports Movie Rewind tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to watch a team that rises up in clutch moments and moments of crisis. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.